Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. morning in just talking about hearing from the Lord. And we've talked the last couple weeks about establishing a devotional time, making sure we're spending time with the Father, making sure we're spending time in His presence so that we could hear from Him. Last week we talked about why some people have a hard time hearing the voice of God. And so if you walk through that and you identify with a few of those, hopefully you can work on that and know and understand and anticipate that He's going to speak to you. And so this morning, we're going to continue in this um, ongoing way and quieting ourselves. But just as we talk about how many people remember the four steps uh, of quieting yourself before the Lord? How many people remember the four steps from last week? The amount of hands are up is why I encourage you to take notes. So if you remember, what are they? What are the four things you're supposed to do? Stop. Take a breath. Appreciate, respond. See, way more people were responding than raising hands. It's okay to raise your hand. You just proved to me that you may not raise your hand, but you are still listening. Uh, Today, we're actually going to talk more about listening to the voice of God, but today, we're not going to talk about why some people don't. We're actually going to talk about why we need to hear God's voice, why we need to hear God's voice. We've learned through the past little while that we cannot even understand the Bible without the assistance of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And as he speaks to us, he opens it up, he explains and reveals to us the true meaning of the scriptures. That's what we call illumination, as the Holy Spirit speaks and reveals to us. But there are three categories, reasons where we need to be able to hear God's voice. Three reasons of importance of why we need to hear God's voice. And the first one is this, so that Christ can function as your Lord and King. We need to be able to hear his voice so that he can function as our Lord and King as he speaks to us. See, God is fully establishing his kingdom here on earth. Matthew eleven twelve tells us this, for the days of John the Baptist, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing and the forceful man lay hold of it. So what we have to understand is for God's kingdom to come, there's a battle that is happening. There's battles when it comes to kingdoms and ruling. And the way that you fight in a battle, if you think about wars that have happened, what they always have to do is they set up command posts. There's always communication. There's communication happening. They're speaking to each other, communicating what the enemy is doing, communicating what the next step is on how to counterattack. There's an enemy out there, the devil, and he's trying to stop, he's trying to stop God's plans from establishing his kingdom. He's trying to stop God's plans for establishing your life, and he is here to try to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. And this is why we need to hear from the Lord. 1 Peter 5:8 says this: Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
He's walking around looking for that weakest link. All you got to do is watch National Geographic to understand this. The lions wait for the one to drift away, the weak one, to drift away from the herd. And that's why it's so important in our walk with the Lord to do it in community, to spend time with each other so we're not the lame gazelle about to get pranced on and devoured. We need to stay in communication with the Lord because fighting against the enemy requires strategies and planning because we have to understand what his strategies are. We have to understand what his plans are. And by knowing what they are, the Lord can give us strategies to counteract them and to fight against them. So how do we plan? Well, we plan by communicating and much communication with the Lord. God, the creator, has has so much wisdom. He has so much wisdom for us that he wants to communicate and that he can see things, understand things. And I think as you know this, he can see things that we don't see. He can see things that we don't see. Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We see this with Elisha when the king in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, you can read through there where the um, king of Syria is attacking the Israelites. But every time he goes to attack, Elisha tells the leaders of Israel, here's what's going to happen. He's going to attack from here. He tells them all the plans. Elisha is able to warn them. And the Syrian king is getting furious, and he begins, he wants to know who in his troops, who if his commanders are telling, who's the double agent? Who's the spy? When all of a sudden, they come to understand that it's Elisha, and he's telling the king of Israel, he's telling Israel what the king is talking about in his bedroom, the quietness of his home, what he's thinking about, Elisha knows, and he's communicating We see this with David and the Philistines, where David understood that when he became king, he needed God in his life. He needed to seek the Lord. And so he would go to the Lord for strategies of war to fight his enemies. In 2 Samuel 5, 19, it says, And David inquired of the Lord. So many times in our lives, we need to pause, and we need to inquire of the Lord. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hands. And the Lord said to David, go up and I will certainly give the Philistines into your hands. David won that battle and eventually the Philistines came back to attack a second time. And he's, David again inquired of the Lord. But this time it was different. It's interesting how the Lord changes the strategy and he tells David in 2 Samuel 5.23, he says, and then David inquired of the Lord and he said, you shall go up, go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam tree. He tells them how to attack. This time, instead of going straight at them, sneak around and come from the backside and get them. It's no difference. It's in the New Testament. We see Paul on some of his missionary journeys. In Acts 16, we see where Paul is journeying around and he's leading and he's walking. And the Holy Spirit tells him not to share the gospel in Asia, to continue through and he changes his route and sends him a different way. 
And then all of a sudden, Paul has a dream. And he has a dream of this man from Macedonia urging him to come and to help them. And so Paul takes this understanding that the Lord is speaking to him and called him to go there and to preach the gospel. Now, was there anything wrong for Paul to share the gospel in Asia? No, not at all. But God had a different route, a different reason. The Holy Spirit needed him in Europe. A whole different continent. Sent him a different path. But here's what we need to understand. They wouldn't have known what to do until after they obeyed. Until Paul took the route and changed his path and changed what he was supposed to do, until he stepped out and obeyed God, he didn't know that he was supposed to go to Macedonia. Are we following and listening every step of the way? When Melissa and I were early in our marriage, we were living in Toronto. She was pastoring at uh, Kenny Road Tabernacle in Brampton, and I was working construction and going through Bible college. And in that moment, all of a sudden, the construction company I worked for was very new in the industry of what they did, and they, uh, my hours just started to fall away. And I, so I didn't really get many hours, and we started to realize, okay, I need to find some work just to help us through. And I went into a store, I went into a sports store where I have worked in sporting goods before, and it was the um, same type of sporting goods store. It would do uh, equipment repairs, all different stuff, sold different sports equipment. And I went in and dropped off a resume just to see if they were hiring. And I just asked for the manager and see do you need some part-time? I just need a, some part-time work. And I gave them my resume. And he said, actually, we are hiring some part-time work. And he started looking through my resume right there. And he just said to me, he goes, we're actually looking for an assistant manager. It looks like you could fill this role. I said, look, I just need part-time work. And he's like, I really need an assistant manager. And so Melissa and I left and we were praying about it because it would be a lot more hours. What would we do? And that night, went to bed. And I had the most vivid, I still remember the dream to all the details. And I knew immediately waking up in the morning that I was not supposed to pursue a job at this place. And it wasn't that it was sinful, but I knew that if I went into that workplace, it would distract me from what God had called me to. And so I never pursued it. Oddly enough, they never called. And it was so clear how God spoke in that moment, don't do this. And it was so easy. And it was an answer to prayer. We needed work, but it wasn't the right place. Eventually, the work picked up with the construction company and everything worked out great. But it's listening to the Father. God wants to function as our King and as our Lord. But if we don't let Him function as our King and Lord, here's how we let Him do this we have to obey even when we disagree. I love watching movies and TV shows of back in the olden days where there's like knights and kings. And here's what I'm intrigued by as I watch this. We understand that if God is our king, what he says goes. All you have to do is watch one of these movies or shows and they see all of these people giving the king advice and it's sound advice. But all the king has to say is this. Thank you very much. Here's what we're doing. And it could be against everything that everybody said. And they just go, okay. And they do it. So the way we know that God is God of our lives and king is we obey. We need to hear God's voice. Part two, uh, number two is so that he can function as your father. 
so that he can function as your father. We see so many times in Scripture where God calls Abraham, Moses, and the disciples his friends. But it's intriguing when Jesus teaches us to pray that the relationship goes from friend, it goes deeper that we're supposed to call him father. As believers, we're also called sons of God and God's children. We are his family. Matthew 5, 45 says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. God wants to have a relationship with us as our Father. It's not just God, not just Lord, not just King that we obey, but a Father who loves us. John 17, 3 says, Now this eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom sent you. Without communication, we cannot have a good relationship Think about it for a moment. If you're sitting beside your spouse, can you have a good marriage with poor communication? How many people know that in the early years of marriage, even all the way through marriage, the one thing that couples are always working on is communication. How do we speak to each other? How do we talk to one another? Now, here is the single greatest problem with many fathers. They're distance. They don't communicate. They don't talk. But that's the whole point here for a moment. Our heavenly father is in the atmosphere right now around you. And he isn't distant. And he isn't silent. He wants to be close and he wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. And here's when we talk to him, he happily responds to us and speaks to us. He's waiting for us. And sometimes he even takes the initiative to speak to you. But as we've talked about the last few weeks, it's our responsibility to stop and listen to him. God speaks and responds to his children in ways not dissimilar of a good earthly father. He speaks to us and he lifts us up. One of the things that God likes to do as a father is the heavenly father assures his children. He assures you of who you are and what he's called you to. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, that we are his children. And he'll speak to you and he'll assure you of his love. You just need to take the time to stop, just as we practiced last week, in asking the Father, Lord, what do you see when you look at me? And allowing the Heavenly Father, the one who loves us, to speak to us. The Heavenly Father also wants to warn his children of danger. Warn his children of something that's going to happen. We see this in Matthew 2 where uh, Jesus' father, Joseph, has a dream and God tells him to take his family and flee to Egypt. And so he wakes up and he picks up uh, Jesus, he wakes up Mary, and away they go. And they go to Egypt to protect his son. A friend of mine that I grew up with, his dad tells the story of, and we can remember when, like, when we were young, seatbelts were there 
suggested, you know what I mean? Like kids just kind of rolled around in the back. We just saw, we were watching a movie with one of those huge station wagons, and the kids were like, that's huge, and we're like, you have no idea. Kids just played around in the back as the parents drove. And so he was leaving this house, and uh, back home, there's a steep, steep hill, and as it comes down, there's a railroad track right at the bottom. And he pulled out halfway at this hill. There's a driveway. I don't know why you want to live there, but there's a driveway. And he pulls out, and he notices his kids don't have their seatbelts on, which, if we're honest, back then was a, eh. But he just felt, no, buckle them up. So he stops the car at the end of the driveway. He gets out, buckles them up. And as he's buckling them up, this transport comes flying by the driveway. And as it comes flying by the driveway, there's a train coming. And the train is crossing the road, and this transport's brakes give out. And he goes straight into the train. And the dad knows. If he didn't feel convicted that I need to stop and buckle him, he would have been between them. God warns us. He might not warn us that, hey, there's trouble coming. He might just stop us, pause us, hold us for a minute. We don't know, but the Heavenly Father will warn His children. The Heavenly Father comforts His children. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, we we read, Blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. If you look across this room, there's so many testimonies of how God has strengthened and encouraged and comforted people in the last eight months. How God has spoken to you and encouraged you and lift you up. This week, I want you to share with somebody. Whether it's a text message, whether it's a coffee, whether it's a conversation, or whether it's an email. But throughout this room right now, just look around for a moment. And see who the Lord puts on your heart to share with them an encouragement. Of how the Heavenly Father has comforted you through this time. Because your encouragement could be a comfort to them. The Heavenly Father counsels His children. Psalm 16, 7 says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Kids struggle at school and we don't know what's happening. Our kids, um, back uh, two years ago, our kids were struggling. They were struggling at the school they attended, and, and it was getting to a point we weren't sure what to do as parents and, and um, how do we deal with what's happening, how do we deal with the interaction with the students. And Melissa and I were just praying about it, and I was, um, I was at to Stratford with Love helping set up, which, by the way, is happening this year. It's just looking different. They're doing takeout, and so if you are interested in being a part of that or, or volunteering, Ruth and Richard are at the back. Email them, reach out to them, but it's going to be an amazing event still, and many people are going to be blessed, but as, we, as I was there on the Friday night setting up, um, I was praying about what's going on with our kids and our school, and we're trying to figure it out, and all of a sudden, through the door, walks the principal of the Christian school. And I just feel in my heart, I'm like, I feel this little push. You need to go talk to him. And I don't really know him. Now I do, but I don't know him in the moment. 
And so I walked up to him and just began to talk to him and, and explain what was going on. And he just asked right away. He said, is Melissa here? Can we sit down and talk? And I'm like, this was not planned. So I text Melissa, and she drives over. She brings the kids over. It's late at night, so my kids show up in their pajamas. And, and it's just, this is how unplanned this is. For we, we talk for a little bit, and then all of a sudden we decide, okay, we're going to meet with him in his office Monday morning. We show up Monday morning, and God has already provided some financial support for us if we decide to go to the Christian school. And so we sit down, we talk with him, and then we decide, okay, we're going to bring our kids for half a day to let them see what it's like, and we do this, and then all of a sudden we decide we're going to take this step of faith, and we're going to figure this out, and so we say yes, and we start school in January. Well, before we even start school in January, the principal calls us and says, just want you to know some more financial support came in for you. We're just blown away how God has directed this and led us. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and a couple weeks into January, our kids are going for a couple weeks into the school year. And all of a sudden, I drive in to drop them off, and the principal's out in the yard, and he just waves me over, and I walk over, and he just explains to me this large financial support that came in for us. And I just begin to weep. And here's what he didn't know. Here's what I didn't know. Here's what Melissa didn't know. Here's the only thing that God knew. A month and a half later, Melissa takes time off work because she needs to look after her health. And for six to eight months, our finances change. And if it wasn't for this support, we would have had to pull our kids. This is how God counsels and directs us and leads us. Not only did he push me to talk to the principal, but then he began to show his love as a father as he provided. We need to allow him to love us as a father. We need to hear his voice, number three, so that he can be your life and be your life support. Jesus amplified, he implied that to live, we also need to be sustained by him. We've talked about this verse a few times in the last little while, but John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in, the, in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the neat thing. Apparently, as humans... We have the capacity to draw from God. As we attach to him, we are able to nurture ourselves. We're able to plant inside of him and draw the light out of him in order to flourish. We are created like this. We bear fruit by just abiding with him, by spending time with him. We get the nourishment that we need from him. But what exactly is the food that we're getting from him? Because if we're honest, as we sit down and we spend time with the Lord, we feel better, but I'm still hungry. Physically. And so Jesus, he says this in Matthew 4, verse 1 to 4, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. What did Jesus mean by this? 
What does he mean? Was there an Old Testament commandment? Was there 11 commandments that one said, thou shalt not turn stones into bread? No, it doesn't say that at all. At some point, what Jesus was saying wasn't that he wasn't allowed to turn stones into bread. Jesus was saying the material side of the body. So the material side of the body feeds on bread or tacos or pasta. It's what we feed on. Or sometimes plant-based burgers that taste like beef. (laughs) Or steak. But we feed on these things. But what we also have to understand is there's an important part of the immaterial part of your body, your soul and your spirit. Your soul and your spirit, it's made up of your mind, it's made up of your emotions and your will. We all know that if we're filled with joy, hope, love, and peace, how many people know that if you feel joyful, you have hope, you feel love, and you're at peace, you can tackle any challenge that comes your way. But if it's lacking, how many are you, like me, you almost become paralyzed, and you become fearful, and you're not sure what to do, When it's lacking, it's because we've been starving the soul and the spirit from what it needs, the nourishment it needs from the Father. But when we feed our spirit, when we feed our soul with the food meant for the body, it doesn't work. You can go to as many buffets as you want. You're not going to feel more joy, well, maybe a little bit, but just for a short period. You won't feel hope or love, and definitely afterwards, you probably won't feel much peace. But we need to feed our soul and spirit that it is healthy. Not only do we need to eat healthy food for our physical body, but we need to feed our spirit so it's healthy. That's what Jesus is getting at. He was feeding his immaterial side on something else, so should all of us, every one of us. Jesus then tells us what the spirit and the soul needs to feed on, on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And not just his utterance that is written down, not just this here. We're not supposed to just feed on his word. We are also supposed to continually feed on his fresh, his fresh rhema, his fresh revelation to us. Guess what Jesus, the word, guess what he is doing right now? Hebrews 1, 3 says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And word here is actually translates rhema, his fresh word. It's an utterance from God. Here, the writer is not saying just the scriptures that's sustaining creation. No, no. It's the fresh revelation of God. So when his word penetrates into your soul, they bring not only life, but abundant life. 
That's what God's utterances do. That's what his fresh words do. Jesus, the word, he is the word, still speaks, and this makes all the difference in the world to you and to me. How can Jesus' words possibly give us life, never mind to the fullness? How did God create the world? Through a word. He's spoken. And at the end of time, he will overcome nations with a word. And this is why it's different when Jesus speaks words and when you and I speak words. We use words as thoughts and ideas and expressions, maybe wishes we speak with. But Jesus' words carry out those thoughts carries out those wishes because they're living and powerful. John 6, 63 says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. That's why his words accomplish what he intends because they are life. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, it will, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve, purpose for which I sent it. In some mysterious way, Jesus abides in the very words that proceed from him so that they accomplish and achieve what is spoken. As the words of God goes out, some miraculous way, God, Jesus, is in them and is able to go with them and empower them and equip them. And if his word enters us, then as we speak them, they too bring life and achieve what God intends them to achieve. He will speak in us and speak through us. Remember when Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the storm came up and the disciples all were in a panic and they woke him up saying, God, Master, do you not care that we will perish? Do you not care that we're going to die? And he just stands up and rebukes it. And it just becomes peaceful. On another occasion, using words, he offered peace to the souls, the inner person of the disciples. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. As he rebukes the raging storms and brings peace, he also wants to bring peace to your soul as well. The same creative word can also put encouragement, encourage into the life, even if the circumstances continue to rage seemingly out of control, as we heard already today, that the light will still shine in the darkness. Paul, we understand that many times he was arrested, but he was arrested in Jerusalem. And as he was getting arrested in the process, it tells us that he was almost torn to bits by the violent mob who was grabbing at him. And then this is what the word Jesus comes and tells him. Acts 23, 11 says this, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. 
as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. It's telling Paul, even though we're here right now in the moment in the prison, you're going to testify about me in Rome, so we're going to leave here. You are going to survive. You are going to get out of here. Like you and I, I'm sure Paul had a hard time turning his fear into courage. But I don't know about you, but when Jesus stood near him, as the word tells us, in prison, and the word spoke to him, encouragement, he was able to walk through it. Jesus, the word, wants to be your courage, your joy, your hope, your love, your peace, by speaking his living word into you. And often he wishes to calm the raving circumstances with the word as well. His words are your food. His words are the food that you need to consume. They are power packed with him to give life, to give hope, to give joy, to give peace and love and understanding, to give you rest, to help you with your troubled soul. Here's the thing, whether he changes the circumstances or not, this is what he brings to you. And that's life. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Now here is where the paradox happens. We read the scripture where Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. But Jesus also said this in Matthew 16, 24 to 25. It says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. Whoever loses his life for my sake it doesn't promise us always good things. Here there's challenges and trials and difficult, difficult circumstances. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It sounds contradictory, and it sounds like it's going against each other, but it's not. He's saying, this is what Jesus is communicating, that in the midst of your trials... In the middle of it, his yoke and burden will seem easy and light. Based on our soul, our spirit, our inner man, if he is strong, if we're willing to spend time with him and strengthen us. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So it doesn't mean that everything's going to be wonderful, but in it, your strength is found from him. When the soul and spirit of the inner man is fed, it becomes strong. This is why we need to hear the voice of the Lord. Jesus explains to us what happens if we don't feed on him. In John 15, 6, it goes on to say, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. If we don't remain and abide, we wither. The psalmist tells us that the one who meditates on the law, feeds on God's word, will not wither. Psalms 1, 2-3 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law we meditate 
sometimes. No, we meditate day and night. If we meditate day and night, he is like, if we meditate day and night, we are like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves does not wither. Why? Because that person is feeding the soul. When God's word penetrates into your soul, into your spirit, they will nourish you, even revive you. Psalms 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. We need to hear God's voice so that he can function as our king and as our Lord, that he can function as our father, that he can be your life. When we meditate on his word, both the Logos word and the Rhema word, Jesus, the word, wants to be your encouragement. He wants to be your courage, your joy, your love, your hope, your peace by speaking his living word into you. And he's saying all of this, even in the midst of your trials, his yoke, his burdens will seem easy and light because you spend time with him, your tree will be solid. Your branches will be strong. You will be able to withhold, withstand in the storm because you've spent time listening to him. So today, start to feed your soul. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will help us to make the right decisions. Father, to set you first and put you in the place of our hearts where you belong. Lord, I pray that you will help us to make sure that we quiet ourselves, to hear your voice. Help us to build up our spirit so that in the good times and in the trials, we can stand strong with you. We thank you, Father, that you never forget us. Even in the midst of it, we can stand on the promises that you are with us. And so, Father, help us to spend time with you to make sure that we're hearing your voice because it's going to revive us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do have some homework for you, so grab your pens. Here's the homework for you this week. Memorize John 6, 63. Memorize John 6, 63, and it says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. And then as you're driving home today, or if you're sitting at home, or you're having coffee with friends, you're together, ask each other just a simple question. What stood out to you in today's message? What did you learn today? And which of the three reasons we need to hear God's voice do you believe he is already functioning with in your life? Of the three ways the Heavenly Father is similar to a good earthly father, do you struggle with? Which one and why? I encourage you to speak to one another, love on each other, reach out to somebody and see how they are doing. Thank you for joining us, and if we have some words, we'll share them online.
God bless you as you go. I pray that you will find somebody to connect with this week. Lift them up. If you are doing well, reach out to somebody else. If you're not doing well, reach out to somebody else and connect with them and be that light. Make sure you're hearing the voice of God. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 